Welcome to Scrolling, a podcast about the Elder Scrolls Online. I'm Ket. I'm Devious. This is episode number 70. Studio director Matt Firor, Firor, I've heard it both ways. Uh, he posted a forum discussion titled ESO PvP Update in January 2022. Uh, if you want to see this discussion for yourself, you can go to forums.elderscrollsonline.com, click on the dev tracker link at the very top, and just look for Matt's most recent post, and that, that should be it. A little hidden for him. Yeah, it is. And that's actually kind of a, a point worth noting is that this is something that it was really just posted on the official forums, and it's not like a press release or some big communication to the public at large. It's really addressing the existing kind of more dedicated community, uh, which I think is always cool. Yeah, very cool. And especially coming from Matt Firor, I mean, he's the studio director, a.k.a. president of Zenimax Online Studios. You know, he's like the big kahuna. Pretty high up. <laughs> yeah, kind of a big deal. So... If he's addressing the community, in particular the PvP community, I definitely want to perk my ears up and hear what he has to say. So anyway, I'm just going to kind of do some bullet points here and sort of paraphrase uh, what what he's saying here. But I do recommend going uh, to the forums and reading it for yourself uh, and just reading the discussion that's prompted thereafter, like what all the other people are saying. There's pages and pages and pages of people responding to this very positively. He starts off by saying it's uh, it's just long past time to give everyone an update on where they are with PvP improvements. Uh, he says they've been doing a lot of tests, a lot of data collection and that sort of thing. And long story short, they're planning to re-architect the server. Davius, you're, you're an architect. What do you think that means? Yeah. Re-architect the server. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, pretty wild statement. If I, if, mm-hmm. I mean, it caught, this whole statement kind of caught me off guard. I think it's cool. I think it's really neat. I mean, re-architect the server seems like a pretty, it seems pretty huge, right? Yeah. Re-architect is a a fancy word for sure. Um, So he says basically it's a much more complex game than it was at release. uh, And there's a lot more people playing, just a lot more systems going on. So um, they're basically just needing to rewrite uh, a lot of the foundational code, uh, which basically should dramatically improve server performance. Uh, so basically, they're doing it. They're fixing the servers, guys, That's, finally. That, I mean, here's the thing. This is the most interesting part to this statement for me, is that this is not something that brings in new players. It's just not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, this is something that is really only beneficial for old players like us, people who've been in the game, they're familiar with the game, you're familiar with all the random little hiccups or problem items um this is not something that you can like advertise like hey look at us we're re-architecting the server and come play eso um that's that's kind of the part that stands out to me the most that um i mean i think it's awesome i think it's really really cool i think you know maybe you know we've talked about maybe they're they're kind of laying low as far as new content new updates and things like that and uh, you know, they say they're spending a lot of time on this. So maybe this is kind of um, they want to rebuild a stronger foundation before uh, they start building on top of that foundation with with new um, new player attracting type items. Yeah, exactly. I think they're probably getting to a point where they have no choice, right? It's either this or scrap PvP out of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, so... 
He says that this is going to require that the entire game be retested and reevaluated. It's basically going to be like re-released all over again. Uh, and I think um, that's prompting a lot of people to speculate, like, is this basically going to amount to ESO 2? Is that what this is going to be? And I think we can probably safely assume that that's not what this is going to be. Davius, what do you think? I don't think so either. I, I think the only thing I can imagine and and I, I'm not even I, I'm probably wrong about this, but the, if if I really had to guess just like the biggest, wildest thing to come from this is maybe some sort of visual update. I think that that, that would be the biggest thing. That's something I'm not expecting. But that I mean, outside of that, I think it's exactly just going to be. Um, they're addressing all of these minor issues that we deal with. You know, you're in PvP, you hit your ultimate, your ultimate doesn't go off. You're you trying know, to break free and it doesn't work. Trying to break free, break free doesn't work. You try to queue up with a buddy and one of you gets into a group BG, one of you doesn't. I think that these are just, uh, everybody who plays the game is aware of all of these little minor issues. And I think the realistic expectation from this is that it's focusing on all of those minor issues you know it's a it's an older game now i mean it's this game's got it's got some gray hairs um and so 2014 i think think is when it hit beta yeah and so i think really what this is is that they're taking all of that 2014 2015 2016 data and making it mesh better with 2019 2020 2021 data yeah, I think you're totally right. Uh, I think once this work is all done, uh, we're going to log in and it's going to be the exact same game that we've been playing all along, you know, <laughs> uh, but it's it's probably just going to run better. And in particular, hopefully we'll be able to go to Cyrodiil and the game will function properly. <laughs> you know, that, that would be I think that's the main like area of concern. I mean, even in Battlegrounds, performance is pretty good in Battlegrounds, but even there we run into problems But Cyrodiil yeah. is literally not playable a lot of the time um so and i really like cyrodiil quite a bit and i would like to spend more time there but i have totally given up on it um until it's just in a better state uh anyway we don't need a rant about cyrodiil hopefully (laughs) cyrodiil is just going to be more fun once this is all done. there we go there we go and you made a great point that um these are development resources that are that are not going into an expansion or into the crown store or into something that's going to you know bring in more players or uh I guess theoretically this could increase revenue down the line, but it's a it's a more long term kind of view of things. And and you know, like we were just saying, this is a forum post. This isn't a a, pr- a press release to the general public. They are addressing uh, a dedicated player base. Like the forums, not anyone can just jump on the forums and uh, and participate. You have to uh, request an invite. You have to have an ESO account. Uh, you know, so the, most of the people there are fairly dedicated players. And, and so for this, for that to be like where this communication is, is located, you know, I think is a pretty cool thing and a pretty significant thing as well. Yeah. So he said, this is going to be uh, much of the focus in 2022. They're not going to rush it. Uh, in the meantime, they're considering new ways to keep Cyrodiil and Battlegrounds interesting. Uh, so for example, they're going to try like special rule sets and weekend events. Uh, that's really interesting sounding. Um but they won't be adding any new features to PvP until this work is complete uh, because that would prolong the fixes they're trying to make plus make the current performance situation even worse than it is. The weekend events has me really intrigued. I'm sure it does you too because, you know, we talked about it. We, we've got some struggles with the deathmatch going away. Uh, mm-hmm. But if we're talking about, you know, 
common weekend events or common events where it's like, hey, this is a deathmatch only weekend. I think that's a real possibility. I think it'd be pretty mm-hmm. easy for them. And that would be really exciting uh, for players like us, you know. Uh, I do think it'd be cool if they if they had, you know, more detailed rules. I don't see that happening because, as you just said, they're not making changes. They're just going to have events to maybe keep things a little bit more interesting. But, you know, um, I think that those kind of themed weekends could be really cool. I think it could bring attention to it. You know, the uh, the mayhem or what's it called now? White Strikes. White Strikes Mayhem, I think. Mayhem. Uh, you know, that's a fun event. I think a lot of PvP players enjoy that event. It brings a lot of attention to PvP. If we're seeing events like that where it's bringing people uh, into PvP areas, I think that could be really cool. Um, but I don't see anything crazy rule happening like uh, any specific rule sets like a double, you know, all characters double stamina weekend or warden <laughs> only weekend. I don't see anything like that happening. Yeah, I wonder what they could mean by special rule sets cuz I feel like your your idea there of like weekend deathmatch only, that's plausible. I actually can very much see that happening. Yeah. Um but they say weekend events and he, he does use the term special rule sets. That's got to mean something. You yeah, know, like what, I don't know, could it could be? be it could be interesting. I just I will say that for for the weight of the bad news that as PV players we got, um, this this was a much better week. <laughs> yes, Let's put it that certainly. Way. <laughs> uh, probably related those two things, I would say. Yes. Um, another promising thing about this here, he, they said he said we won't be adding any new features to PvP until the work is complete. Uh, to me, that implies that they are planning to add new PvP features after this work is complete, you know, uh, it's kind of implied yes. by that statement there. Um, and that's great news. Cause what's the last PVP content we got? It was in Morrowind with battlegrounds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's obviously very exciting to hear that the possibility is they're going to add PVP, but it's not abandoned. PVP is not abandoned. Hooray. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're at a point where it is, it's past due. Uh, way there's past. just no really way to, Another way to say it. So that is very, very exciting that that's a possibility in the future for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they do indeed have some kind of plans. Um, His closing statement here, uh, I'm just going to read this. He says, we completely understand the frustration many of you are feeling, especially with lack of information about our (laughs) PVP plans. There we go. PVP plans. Um, This was a huge decision to make and we needed to make sure we had exhausted all other possibilities before announcing this. Thanks for bearing with us. You're welcome, Matt. <laughs> so this is a great communication here, a great message. This is all fantastic news as, as PvP players um, or even as like endgame people, like people who do a lot of uh, 12-player trials and stuff like that are going to definitely be benefiting from this. Um, Davis, you made an excellent point that the timing of this, this is definitely damage control, right? Like that's 100% yes. what this is. Exactly. It is. <laughs> They've had a bit of bad PR uh, recently. If if anyone listened to our last episode, we we kind of went on and on about how these Battlegrounds queue changes that are coming up, where we're, we're reverting back to having a, a random only queue, is basically a universally unpopular decision, right? Basically, everyone yes. hates that decision, whether you like death, Deathmatch or not. Yeah. Um, and there's also been a couple of mishaps on um, some live streams on Twitch. I won't mention any names, but there's been some members of, or basically a member of Zoss uh, leadership, 
have a, a couple of moments on stream where some fairly negative comments were directed at the PvP community in particular, and it just it definitely left a bad taste in my mouth. I think it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Um, and just that combined with the unpopular Battlegrounds changes coming up, yeah. the PvP community is really just not happy at all right now, honestly. So yeah. let's just say that Matt's a little bit better at PR than than some others. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, we're going to have uh, like a reveal event here in a couple of days where we learn a lot about what's going to be happening this year content wise. And this seems like something that maybe was planned to be talked about during that event. Uh, and they just decided to go ahead and, and communicate this stuff right now because of the bad PR that's going yeah. on. You know, I would caution people to temper expectations. You know, uh, promises yeah. have been made in the past and, you know, it's questionable how, how successful they've been on on reaching those goals. This does sound very promising. I'm choosing to be optimistic. I, I, I think, you know, I believe that they really are going to be working towards this goal and they're not just saying that. Um, so hopefully it will have uh, the results that we want. Uh, the responses from the community are very, very positive. I would say they range from cautiously optimistic to overwhelmingly positive. Yes. Honestly, the responses are the ones that have me the most worried with the high, like the too much yes. optimism. And I, I mean, it's kind of like, oh boy, like let's not get our hopes up so high that we're just guaranteed for disappointment here. But uh, it's nice to see that level of optimism. I have to be honest. It's nice to see the the positivity for sure. Yeah, it is nice. And I think a lot of the positive comments that I've seen are, it's not necessarily even optimism. It's just like being very, very thankful for the communication in general. Just like, it's good to, we, we appreciate you letting us know what you're yeah. working on and what the plans are. Like we, we like that. Uh, so there's a yeah. lot of that. And there's like pages and pages and pages on this discussion of, uh, of people just kind of uh, raving about it. Also, ever since then, uh, I've just noticed on the forums, there's a lot more responsiveness from the dev team just to the, the forum community in general. Like there's someone that had an idea that posted a, a discussion about maybe have a story mode for dungeons. And uh, there was another one where someone's had the idea of like incentivizing people to read more lore books and stuff like that, like giving you like a real reason to do that. Uh, and developers have commented on those threads and said, hey, that's a cool idea. I think I'm going to pass that along for further consideration. You know, there's been a lot more of that kind of thing going on on the forums. Uh, and plus, Gina Gina made a comment on a on an existing thread uh, about communication. Um, and she's basically saying they, they've been having a lot of internal conversations about how to improve their communication methods and and that sort of thing. And so that's that stuff's really cool. I like to see that. Yeah, that's that's a major reason for optimism yeah. right there is that that is really really cool that um the open-mindedness in that regard of, of ideas and possibilities is always i think yeah that is only going to lead to improvement so it's just neat to see that responsiveness I, I hope it keeps up i hope it's not just this kind of damage control phase and it'll fade out over time that very well could happen but it's nice to see it at least for now in other news, the Daedric War Celebration event is going on right now. It started uh, last Thursday, January 20th, and is going through Tuesday, February 1st. So we got like another week or so left of this thing. Um, so during this event, you can go to Vardenfell, Clockwork City, or Somerset. Uh, and any three of those zones, you basically can earn these reward boxes that we get for all these events, right? 
uh, for just doing activities in those zones, like repeatable quests, killing bosses, looting chests, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can also get um, double yields from uh, from harvest nodes. Um, bosses will drop extra loot. You can get tickets and spend those at the impresario. You know, this is a pretty pretty basic event. Just kind of a, a celebration of those uh, those DLCs, just to kind of revisit those. Have you been participating at all? Well, so here's the thing. One, I'll say it's kind of a it kind of seems like the celebration of the pre annual events. Mm-hmm. It's like here's what here's all the stuff we used to do before we did the year of yeah you know X Y Z. And then secondly, here's the thing. I this is solely my opinion. I could be completely wrong. You completely disagree with me. But at the exact same time, I'm going to tell you exactly what your priority needs to be in this event. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you need to go get your get enough tickets and go and get the two-handed mace um, motif, the Everglow champion two-handed mace. You got to get it. That style. That's a good two-handed mace. There's not very many two great two-handed maces out there. That's a solid one. Okay. It's a good size. It's like large. It's you know, it's it's aggressive looking. A lot of the maces in this game just look like a carpenter's hammer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like you're running around like you're gonna hammer in some nails. It's just not. Yeah. So, but this one, it's good. I haven't looked at it. I'll have to check that out. I haven't really been participating in this event other than like when I'm waiting in a battlegrounds queue or something. I'll just go to Somerset and that'll be my running around zone while I'm. Uh, waiting because you get extra, uh, you know, extra loot and stuff from harvest nodes and all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of my way of celebrating. I just run around in that zone while I'm waiting in queue. That's about it. Here's the weakness for me on this event. The real weakness for me is that it doesn't include any Nord zones. <laughs> right. right. Uh, my map doesn't quite extend to this area, so that's you know that's the real struggle for me. But I don't know. I caught you in Deshaun the other day. So. <laughs> that's... You leave home once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> propaganda it's propaganda uh they've got that the only you know the student shrine every now and then i gotta go pay my respects <laughs> to the student shrine that's the only reason i go to that place oh well, that's understandable it's a good reason <laughs> um another big piece of news is something that we can't even really talk about because we're recording this two days before it happens but uh basically the day that this episode uh airs um, there's going to be this uh, reveal streaming event where we're going to learn all about uh, what, what we're going to be getting this year in terms of content for the DLC and the chapter and all that stuff. We'll probably see, you know, what if we're going to get a new skill line or whatever with the, the new chapter. I'm thinking probably not. Probably just going to be a couple new companions is going to be my guess. But I, I do hope that they <laughs> surprise and delight us a bit on that. It would be really nice if they gave us a little something extra there. I'm sure there's going to be a surprise or two, surely, right? Got to be. I bet they got a, at least a little something, Here, like like something on the level so, of like the armory system or something like that up their sleeve. So, so the bar, I think we're both in agreement on this. The bar is two new companions, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what's I'm curious. I want to ask you if that's the bar. What is like seven, eight, nine look like for you with this new expansion? Like, what what's gonna get? close to a 10 on on your excitement level for this new this new year we're going into i think if they could give us something on the level of sigic order i think a lot of people would be satisfied with that and the, and and on top of all the performance stuff that they're talking about and if they continue down 
with all the cool balance adjustments they've been making in terms of uh, PvP combat and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I think if we got something on the level of Sigic Order, like a combat-relevant skill line, uh, I don't think we could reasonably expect anything more than that. And even that, I feel like, is a, is a sure. reach. Seems like a lot. But yeah, that would be... It'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, probably two new companions and like one little surprise. Probably not quite on the Some level. Some quality of life type situation. I bet so. That's my that's my prediction. I hope I'm surprised though. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that on Thursday. Probably people who are listening to this right now already have seen the event and know exactly what's going on. So um I want to talk about a few pieces of gear that have been on my radar the last couple of weeks. Um, number one is the Markin Ring of Majesty. That's one of the new mythic items. Um, this is the one that gives you a stack of 100 weapon and spell damage and 1157 armor for every uh, three-piece set you're wearing. And, and five-piece sets count as well, right? Like the three pieces. Um yep. We talked about this a little bit when it first showed up in the patch notes, and we were talking about, okay, I could see it could be kind of cool if you cheese those stacks, and basically you could have uh, a maximum of three stacks, um, so that would give you 300 weapon and spell damage and 3,000-something armor, which seems okay. seems all right. Um, Mm -hmm. But I've been seeing more and more people talk about this mythic item in my PvP guilds and stuff, and this is this seems to be the mythic, like the go-to mythic item that a lot of people are using in their PvP builds. Uh, and so I've been asking around to see like what kinds of sets people are using with these with this, and um, it turns out that most people are just using it in like a, a typical setup with like two five-piece sets, or basically only getting uh, two stacks uh, out of the marking ring. The way it's been explained to me is, you know, if you're getting two stacks out of it, you're getting 200 weapon and spell damage and like 2300 armor, which those aren't astronomical numbers, but it's a it's a decent amount of damage. And like compared to Malakath, like Malakath would give you more average DPS, but Markin is giving you some extra damage, plus you can still crit. And that's pretty yeah. valuable, especially like if you're going up against really tanky players like you might not be able to wear them down with Malakath, but you but if you get lucky with a couple of really good crit spikes, you might be able to take them out. Um, so just having that little extra dash of stats, you know, it's not something that's overpowered in any way. It's just like a well balanced yeah. item. If you just need that one extra little piece to fit into your build, this is one single item you can put in there to give you a nice amount of damage, a nice amount of resistance, uh, just to kind of round out that stat sheet a little more. And there's no penalties whatsoever. Uh, you just get those stats, and that's it. The, the thing that really stood out to me, you know, when this first came out, we just looked straight at that weapon and spell damage. Um, but, you know, I, I think me personally, I kind of overlooked the armor. You know, I didn't really think about, all right, you're getting the weapon and spell damage with a little bit of armor. And yeah. so, you know, like you said, it really just comes down to a nice amount of stats for one item. And so you're, you got one item and you're getting a nice little boost of stats out of that one item. Yeah, yeah. It's just a nice little extra dash of stats. And that's not even counting like, uh, the glyph that you'll have on that ring and the trait that you're using on that ring. Yep. You know, there's still kind of a lot of room to make that one single item give you a lot of value. So I think this is kind of replacing Malakath on a lot of builds. Yeah. Um, also just wanted to mention the Gaze of Sithic, uh, the Gaze of Sithis Mythic Helmet again. Um, I know I mentioned it on the last episode. I've been using it on my Magblade. Um, I'm just in love with this thing, man. It's such a, a good item. It gives you 3,000 health, uh, 1,000 health recovery, which is 500 in PvP, 
uh, and 4,000 armor, but it also reduces your block mitigation to zero. Um, so if you're on a build that doesn't really need to block all that much, man, that's just a ton of value that that one item is giving you. Uh, so yeah. like that's Nightblades, Sorcerers, and Werewolves in my mind. But even like, Davis, you're a magro healer. You've kind of yep. got that build where you don't really need to block that much either. And you're finding a lot of value too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's about max stats and health recovery on that build. You know, it's it's got a whole bunch of max health and a crazy amount of health recovery. And so it's kind of about just truly taking the damage and taking it out. And this is the perfect piece for that build. You know, just what I was saying about the Mark, uh, the mark and Ring about being kind of, you know, a lot of stats out of one item. This is the king of a lot of stats out of one item. Yeah. Um, and really, you know, we've talked about this. This one's kind of flying under the radar a little bit for the amount of stats. And and I think it's because, you know, when you see that block mitigation to zero, that's a real scary number to see. Um, but the amount of stats that this is giving you just far outweighs that block mitigation. You know, depending on the character, there's definitely characters you could throw this on that it wouldn't work, but uh, you get this on the right type of build or the right type of setup, or you you build the character to to make this work, and man, this is just giving you an immense amount of stats for one item. Yeah, and like a really good example is our good buddy Uncle Sam. Shout out to Uncle Sam. He uses this, um, this item on his Magicka Sorcerer, and... I've been playing a lot with my Magblade lately, and my my kind of my big opening move if I'm trying to kill somebody is I'll go into stealth, I do a fully charged heavy attack into a merciless resolve, resolve bow proc, and I really like targeting sorcerers with that because they're always really squishy, and I almost always get them into execute range just with that alone, and then it's just a matter of executing. But with Sam, uh, that he does not that does not get him into execute range. Like I'll do that heavy attack into my merciless, and he's missing maybe half of his health bar. And and at first I was like, oh man, he's got his shields up. I'm not getting through his shields. Uh, but it turns out he does not use shields on his sorcerer at all. And it's actually a pretty squishy build, other than having uh, gaze of Sithis. So it's just Sithis saving him there. Really, really great item. If if you've been overlooking it, uh, give it give it another look. Yeah, it's a great item. Another set that I'm not feeling so good about, but it's definitely <laughs> been uh, on my radar quite a bit lately. This set, Rush of Agony. Uh, we talked about it a little bit um, when it first appeared in the patch notes, and we kind of predicted, like, this set's going to be a problem. And I'm actually surprised that it's just now getting to that point. It's been quite a while, uh, but it, it's definitely picking up in popularity, and I'm not happy about it. So this is a set where uh, when you deal damage basically with any gap closer, it's going to pull all enemies within 10 meters uh, in towards you. Uh, and then it deals burst damage after after two seconds, and then it has an eight-second cooldown. But the kicker is when it pulls you in, it does not give you CC immunity. So you can still be pulled again, or you can be stunned uh, after that. And that's the real problem with this set. What I've been seeing basically is uh, Stamina Necromancers use this set. Uh, this, along with Dark Convergence, uh, seems to be uh, the setup. I'm actually surprised. Honestly, as soon as I saw this set show up, I felt like, oh, that's what everyone's going to do, or a lot of people are, because it's just too trolly. It is incredibly effective. So what they're doing is they're using the the two-handed uh, gap closer, Stampede. Uh, so... Stampede is a gap closer, so it procs Rush of Agony, and it also leaves um, an effect on the ground, which means it procs Dark Convergence. So that one ability procs both of these sets. 
Um, and so Rush of Agony is going to pull you in, but not give you CC immunity. So then you dodge away to get away, and then Dark Convergence pulls you back in, plus stuns you. So you're actually, the CC rules are getting broken twice, right? Yeah. Dark Convergence doesn't give you CC immunity, and then, or I'm sorry, um, Rush of Agony doesn't give you CC immunity, and then Dark Convergence, after it pulls you in, you're supposed to be CC immune right there, uh, according to the rules, but no, it, it goes ahead and stuns you then as well. So Ugh. you basically have... Three entire seconds where you have absolutely no control over your character. Three seconds where you can just put your hands off the keyboard. You can't do anything until those three seconds are over. And during that time, of course, it's a necromancer. So that big Hulk smash ultimate is going off. They have a graveyard synergy mm -hmm. hitting you. They have a blast mm -hmm. bones hitting you. You know, all that stuff can easily happen within three seconds and you have no counter whatsoever i was in i was in a battleground with someone that was very good at using this uh this setup which they don't have to really be very good uh it was guaranteed death every time if i get pulled in by that rush of agony there is no hope of survival you are going to die uh it, it's so incredibly frustrating because you know dark convergence has that delay it pulls you after i think two seconds so rush of agony pulls you right away you dodge away dark convergence pulls you again stuns you deals damage Plus the damage from Rush of Agony, plus the damage from Dark Convergence itself, you know, on top of the, the ultimate, the graveyard, the blast bones. It's just this gigantic bomb that there's no hope of escaping. Well, and you just feel like you're just getting yanked yeah. all over the map. You just feel like you're constantly just getting pulled and yanked. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And like I said, it's starting to pick up in popularity. I'm seeing more and more people use that Rush of Agony set. Even if they're not pairing it with Dark Convergence, I've seen some people just using it on its own. I feel like the exception to CC immunity there has to go. Like, that just needs to be taken out of the set. That that pull-in is valuable enough on its own, you know? I just can't ever imagine where no CC immunity is ever a good idea for anything. Like yeah. it's the CC CC immunity is built in for a reason and anything that's breaking that just I can't imagine that ever being a good idea. <laughs> and players have a hard enough time kind of wrapping their minds around the CC system as it is, especially newer people to PVP. I see people all the time standing there immobilized but they're spamming mm -hmm. bash over and over again because they think that's how you break out of an immobilize you know like people get confused all the time as it is plus we have now we have these exceptions to the cc system like what hope do they have of figuring it out on their own you know without like googling something or whatever yeah um really dumb i hate the set i hate it i hope it gets deleted <laughs> <laughs> tell us how you really feel about the rush of agnes yeah Stupid. Uh, and Dark Convergence. Gosh, those Dark Convergence is still it's still on our, our bad list. It's still a pest. I feel like I'm kind of right on the edge of like being okay with Dark Convergence as far as like how often I'm I'm seeing it right now. And as long as it's not paired well, guess what? As long, not for long. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's not paired with Rush of Agony, I'm often able to avoid it and, and deal with it. But yeah, you're totally right. Its popularity is about to pick up because it turns out, if you didn't know, I didn't know this until just a few days ago, uh, Dark Convergence has been bugged this entire patch. So the the damage scaling that it's supposed to get with like the increased damage based on how many players it hits, that hasn't been happening this whole patch. It's been bugged so that it, it deals the exact same amount of damage, whether it's one player or 10 players or whatever. So they've identified that bug and are planning to fix it with this next update, which effectively means it's getting majorly buffed. <sighs> 
yes. And and if you've listened before, a uh, buff is not quite what we've been hoping for with the old Dark <laughs> <Yeah>. Convergence. <laughs> and right now, it's already a popular set, and people are not yeah. using it for the damage at all. But now, the damage is actually going to be good. And like we were just saying, if you pair this with Rush of Agony, that damage is basically guaranteed to get applied. Ugh. And think about it, you're going to get that scaling every single time. You're going to you're going to hit 10 targets every single time if, if that's your setup. Like, think about... You go up to a big fight just with Stampede, gap close into that fight, every single mm-hmm. one of those players is a goner. And that's the thing with, with Dark Convergence is that right now the damage is is basically nothing. I mean, let's be honest. It, you're, very rarely are you dying from a Dark Convergence. Right. But the power in the set is the is the massive crowd control right. that it, situation that it creates. And it's such a powerful crowd control that it is still a very powerful set because it's paired with other things. And so the idea that it's about to start doing crazy more damage on top of this is um, worrisome, to say the least. Dr. Professor, I don't know if you were saying that in response to um, Rush of Agony and Dark Convergence. You're saying I need to start wearing Snow Treaders. Uh, snow treaders are awesome. I love Snow Treaders, but that's not going to help you with this situation uh, because Snow Treaders makes you immune to snares and immobilizations, but not stuns and pulls. And and it doesn't make you immune to hard CC. Uh, and this is all hard CC that we're talking about here. Um, so not even, not even the snow treaders can save you. <laughs> not even, not even the snow treaders can yeah. save you. <laughs> Dr. Frizzler says, well, shit. <laughs> 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 uh, perfect. Yeah. There you go. I couldn't, couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Dr. Professor. Um, so yeah, I, that's what I keep thinking of is Dark Convergence is actually going to be dealing good damage. And if you use it with Rush of Agony, that damage is guaranteed to hit every single time. Uh, and you're going to be able to pull in, you know, six players and guaranteed all six of those players are going to get hit. So I, I really hope they remove, honestly, like Dark Convergence, they can do whatever they want to that right now. I, I feel like Rush of Agony is my main concern right now. I want them to remove that CC immunity. Old Dark Convergence, that's still my old nemesis. I just... There's nothing in a BG that creates instant frustration like seeing and hearing Dark Convergence go off. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a well-placed one. It's just... I can see it, and it doesn't even have to hit me. I can see it going across the map, and it's just like this little inner frustration. Like, oh, gosh. I'm judging the player that's wearing that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh... So anyway, that's all the the gear I wanted to talk about. As you might have guessed, we've been playing a lot of Battlegrounds. Davius, how have the BGs been going lately, man? Uh, you know, we we they're they're good right now. Uh, let's 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 use it while we got it. How about that? That's that's what I'll say about BGs right now. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like right now this patch is like the glory days of Battlegrounds. And I feel like I'm just soaking up as much as I possibly can while we can, because as soon as this next patch drops, you know, we'll still have good combat balance, but it's gonna we're going to have a hard time actually getting into a death match, which is all we really want to do. So that's going to be a real bummer. So I'm just trying to squeeze as much enjoyment as I can out of this good situation while we have it. Yeah, we're about to go into the we're about to go back into the days of uh, BG team chat. It's going to get real, uh, real feisty. Yeah. And we uh, every now and then we're gonna have relic matches where you're gonna see sixty five kills <laughs> on, <laughs> on one random player. Yeah. You know, it's just it's gonna be that time again. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to it. I really hope they're able to alleviate some of that with those special rule sets and events and stuff like that. We'll, yeah. we'll see how far that goes. Um, but I don't know if any of that is going to make me just not want to play Deathmatch, you know, like. I just wish that it, you know, we've talked about this back when we were in it. Uh, I just wish the death match had at least a little bit more weight to it. If it was mm-hmm. weighted a little bit, then it would be at least a little bit better. They should weight it not by each um, game mode, but each category of game mode. Like deathmatch is its own category yes, by exactly. itself. And then land grab is a category. And then flag games are a category. So you would have a one in three chance of getting deathmatch. That would be yes. not a bad solution. I could live. I could live with that. Yeah. I've been noticing... A trend of uh, bowsorks popping up in Battlegrounds here lately, and I, I think they're really cool. I think I'm going to try to make one for myself. So basically, it's a it's a stamina sorcerer using a bow as their uh, main ability or as their main weapon. Uh, they're using streak for the for the hard CC, of course. They're using bombard for the AOE immobilize and snare. Um, they're use, uh, the ones I've seen are using draining shot, not magnum shot, but draining shot, the one that gives you a really strong snare. Because uh, you already have a stun with streak, so that would be kind of redundant if you used uh, magnum shot. Yeah. Um, and then they're using the negate ultimate, so they're basically like CC machines uh, plus negate to help with those pushes. Plus they have a lot of damage. You know, they they can get kills as mm-hmm. well. But what's really it's really cool to watch them because they play in a very support kind of play style. Like they're not just going for kills. They're not trying to engage in like one v one fights. They really are kind of going after the whole group and just trying to make life miserable for everyone. Kind of a lot like how my Magcro Despair play is just kind of keeping everyone tied down all the time. Uh, man, they can be really, really oppressive. And it also looks like a ton of fun just because Stam Sorks are freaking fun as it is. Yeah. You know, you had, you had asked me about BGs. And, and, and one note that I will make is that the three things in BGs right now that stand out to me is, is uh, CC. Speed, mm-hmm. as always. And and the third one really right now that I see is range. Range, yeah. speed, and CC. Those three things are kind of king in BGs right now. You don't have to have them, but you better have at least at least one of those three or else it's going to be a real real issue. Uncle Sam, welcome to the chat. Didn't you see didn't see you come in, man. Uncle Sam says, certainly won't change much for me. I'll still be playing Deathmatch every game. Me too, buddy. You and yep. me. You and Us, me as well. Us as well. Us as well. We'll see you in there. Um, yeah, this Bosork thing. So uh, we went up against this one pre-made um, that had a Bosork like that that I was just describing. Uh, plus they had a just like a standard typical Magsork oh, on the team. Um, still, and they, still have a nightmare spell. <laughs> it was a rough one. And they both, both the Bosork and the Magsork, both were using the Negate ultimate and they would stagger them. So there's basically just never not a Negate on the ground. Um and I was on my Magcro healer, which is usually unstoppable, but they were just shutting us down, man. With, yeah. with that Bosork playing like I was just describing, with all that CC just making things really, really difficult for us. Plus, we're just getting negate after negate after negate dropped on top of us. Like, we just could not play the game, man. It no. was extremely effective. And that's, lo- that's really like what makes me want to make a Bosork, because it just was seemed really good. I just have imagined that's got to be the closest we've ever felt to being on the other side of despair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 That Uh, Bosork plus Magsork, they just made a really uh, great pair. Yeah. 
It was really good. And I don't even remember what the other two were. They're probably like a Dragon Knight and a Templar or something. I don't even didn't, yeah, probably We didn't get to see them. Fine. We just, yeah. <laughs> just shut down the whole time. Yeah. But um, I've been trying to come up with some ideas for a bow sort build, but I haven't really come up with anything uh, amazing. So if anyone listening has any ideas, scroll in podcast at gmail.com. What's a good bow sort build? Let me know. Um, otherwise... I've just been continuing my journey of becoming a, a Magblade Jedi, <laughs> and uh, I feel like I've I've been making some progress in that regard. Um, I feel like I've reached a level of comfort with my Magblade that I, I did not think was possible. I did not think that I would be like looking at my character select screen thinking I want to do some BGs, and the Magblade is the comfortable choice. It's uh, that I don't think that has ever been the case for me, and... You know, like I've been saying for the last, I don't know, two or three episodes, like this is my main main from way back. And PVP has always been kind of he sits on the sideline for that, you know, but but now he's like right in the spotlight and he's kind of I don't know if I'm, I'm allowed to even call him my main in PVP yet or not. But I feel, I feel like I definitely have been <laughs> he's getting closer him. by the day. <laughs> they really do have all the tools they need to be successful. Uh, it's just a matter of learning how to use them. And that is the hard part. It's a difficult class to to get the hang of, um, but it makes it all the more satisfying uh, when, when you do find that groove. Uh, and his performance, like the results that he gets, it, I wouldn't even say it's like good for a man blade. I would say it's just like good, you know, it's just like good for any, any class. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of take the, you've taken the training wheels off. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, and even like in some pre-mades, because I feel like that would be like the real environment where he would struggle the most uh, is like in like some sweaty pre-mades. But we've done a few of those even, and he's he's yes. done fine. Yep, very much so. Um, what I really like about it is kind of being the healer. I was uh, I was streaming in Discord the other day, and uh, I think it was CPU that made a comment about how like if if I see a teammate of mine struggling. You know, as a Nightblade, I can just I can just bail anytime I want, right? So I'll stick around long enough. I'll just kind of do what I can while I can, and then when it's when it's going south, I'm just like, "See you, buddy. I'm sorry. I just got to bounce." You know. <laughs> but you know, if you know, if you just get to that point where like, well, there's no saving this person, then you can just kind of nope out of there, and you don't you don't have to die with them. <laughs> so uh, I, I do like that about it. Kind of that that whole healing from the shadows. Um, that's something I've been sort of thinking about is like, what does a Magblade bring to a, a Battlegrounds team that say like a Magsork doesn't bring? Because I feel like that's your competition. You're, you're a ranged Magicka build with ranged execute power uh, and some off heals. So what is it that you're bringing to the table that a, a Sork uh, doesn't bring? And I think the answer there really just is invisibility. Like otherwise, I think, Sork brings everything that a Magblade brings except uh, invisibility. And that really is the main thing. And I know I've talked a lot about how like using invisibility too much kind of puts your team at a disadvantage. It, it forces them to fight outnumbered and that sort of thing. I think that is the case if you're not playing in a team-minded sort of way. But man, I got to admit, I've been, I have started using stealth a lot more uh, than I was initially, but I'm I'm finding... I'm figuring out how to use it in ways that benefits my team. And actually it's not making them fight outnumbered. I'm not, I'm not by myself. I'm still in the mix and I'm still very much contributing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, the, the healing from the shadows thing, I think is like really the key is like, the thing is 
you can pop out and, and heal somebody with, with some massive heals, really pull them out of death's grasp, and then disappear, reposition, and start helping them again, right? So most yeah. of the time, you're not even on the enemy's radar. Like if, if they're trying to figure out like where the heals are coming from, they're not even really able to spot you. Uh, and even if they are, you're in a different spot by the time they even realize it, you know? And plus you're... Your skill animations, like that um, that shrewd offering burst heal that I've been gushing so much about, it's not an obvious animation at all. Uh, so even if you're like standing right in front of someone spamming it, oftentimes I find that it doesn't register to them that I'm the healer. Um, so I find I don't get focused all that much, and even when I do, as a Nightblade, you can just slip right away. Well, in one situation I'll even bring up just with playing with you, you know, in, in Battlegrounds is there's been multiple times where, you know, as you said, you throw out some crazy strong heals, but I'll have, you know, I'll have a, somebody hitting on me and they'll bring me down and, and you'll bring me back from, from death. And so they'll kind of go off of me, you know, they've got me pressured, my resources are low and you're healing me back up. They'll go off of me, focus you, or at least try to go after you. And then you stealth out and then they lose sight of you. And it's allowed me that perfect amount of time i can reassess i got my resources back up and i can go on the offensive right back at them because now they're focusing you and yes then, boom then you pop right out of stealth and now you're helping me take them down it is really a, a it's a it's a nice little combo there i've noticed that too there there are these mind games you can play with stealth because you know so many players if they see a nightblade popping in and out of stealth they cannot resist they have to go after <laughs> you they're going to try to pull you out of stealth and i've seen before like i've been in a match where like I'm separated from my team and I'll see one of my teammates uh, run across and they have an entire enemy team on their tail. So like I'll run across their path and cloak and like make sure they can see me cloak. And sure enough, at least one or two of them will peel yeah. off and start chasing me instead. And now my my, my teammate has a, a fighting chance. Also, like, you know, one of the big downsides of using stealth is now you're not a body block for your teammates. So if you're just very mindful and very team focused in, in your gameplay, just take notice of when your teammates are in trouble, when they, when they need a body block, and then jump out of stealth, jump in there in front of them while you're healing them. You know, I think if you're kind of keeping those things in mind and really trying to to do what needs to be done moment to moment, no one's going to complain about you using stealth. You know, it actually is a beneficial thing if you're using it that way. Yeah, for sure. Reminder of the build, it hasn't uh, changed since the last episode. It's Heartland Conqueror, War Maiden on the front bar with a sharpened fire staff, a powered Maelstrom Resto on the back bar, uh, that amazing Sithis helmet, uh, and one-piece Vulcan Scoria. It's five light, one medium, one heavy, four well-fitted, three divines, um, tri-stat glyphs on all seven pieces. The jewelry is one arcane, two swift, damage glyphs on all three pieces, uh, the Atronach Mundus uh, for extra recovery. Uh, Sugar Skulls is the food, spell power potions, and all attribute points into Magicka, uh, which gets me like around 35k max Magicka. And my uh, health is like just shy of 29k, which is actually a pretty comfortable amount with that, that Sithis helmet. It really makes it feel pretty comfortable. What else did I have to say here? Let me look at, let me look at my notes here. Oh, a couple other tips uh, that I I wanted to mention is uh, so merciless resolve. That's your main burst attack. Now take it from from a from an old school PVE Magblade main. I know how it is when you when that merciless resolve proc is ready. It's like reflex. You just you have to fire it immediately, right? Well, like you're like to me, <laughs> like I'm so used to doing a DPS rotation on a boss. 
And the whole goal is to fire as many of those merciless uh, bow procs as you possibly can to get uh, maximum DPS. So my, my brain is just trained. Like when I hear that sound effect, when that proc is ready, fire it right away. Uh, and it, it's so hard to break that in PvP, or it was for me. Like I feel like, okay, I have this this thing ready. I need to fire it as soon as I can. Um, and what you'll find, of course, is that often if, if that's how you're thinking of it, you're going to waste that bow proc. You know, you really need to be patient. Um, and they actually give you a really great incentive to hold on to that, uh, because you have, you basically have a free Giuliano's five piece bonus. As long as you have those five stacks, as long as you don't fire that merciless bow proc, you have an extra 300 spell damage, uh, for the rest of your attacks to, to benefit from. So I'm just, I'm just been trying to keep that in mind and be like, it's a good thing if I don't fire this thing, like keep it as long as you possibly can. Another thing is when I am ready to fire it at someone, I've found that using heavy attacks to help me uh, help with the timing has helped quite a bit. So what I do is um, I'll start char charging up a heavy attack with the intention to weave that into my merciless proc. Um, and what you can do is you can use the time of charging up that heavy attack because the biggest problem is your, your attacks get dodged all the time, right? And so that's what we're trying to avoid. So I'm charging up that heavy attack, kind of waiting for them to roll dodge, because oftentimes, oftentimes they will roll dodge within that span of time. And then as soon as they do a roll dodge and complete it, then I release the, the heavy attack and weave that into the Merciless. Uh, and if they never do a roll dodge within that entire time, then just charge the heavy attack all the way up. Well, it's just even more damage then, you know, just let it charge all the way. Uh, and then weave it in. But if they do do a dodge within that time, then release it early as soon as that dodge is done uh, and it'll almost be guaranteed to hit. So that's kind of how I've been using heavy attacks to help me time that a little bit better and that helps quite a bit. And then another thing, I'll just mention that that shrewd offering, that burst heal ability that um, that is just so amazing. Now, shout out to Doc's <laughs> Professor because uh, he's the one that really kind of pointed this out to me. Like I had seen that buff before, but it hadn't really registered like just how powerful that is. Um, so he kind of brought that to my attention. And I really do feel like that was the pivot point for me where I was like, you know what? I'm going to start mating Magblade. <laughs> you know, it really just kind of <laughs> started right then. Um, one last thing I'll say about uh, the Magblade here is... Um, the hate is real. I have never <laughs> received so many hate whispers as what I play on this dude. Oh my gosh. From enemies and teammates alike. And man, that's the thing. That's the worst thing is like, I make a concerted effort to be a team player because I know what it's like to have Nightblades that abandon the team. And I'm like trying my hardest to like play with the team and help the team as much as I can. But guaranteed, if there's someone on the team who's not doing so well, they're going to blame it on the Nightblade. <laughs> every time every it's all, time it's all the night blades fall <laughs> oh you look you look at the the team you look at the scoreboard you see that someone on your team is a night blade oh it had to have been their fault must have been <laughs> um and enemies of course i mean any victory you have over an enemy uh they're they're not happy about it and believe me i understand i've been on the other side of it i do not enjoy fighting other night blades at all even as a night blade i i get sick of night blades there's a reason when you see a player go into stealth, you, you you have, there's a little part of you, it's like, oh, I got to try to kill that character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. Um, so yeah, just so many hate whispers like I've never gotten before. It's uh, pretty hilarious. Anyway, that's all I have to say about the Nightblade. Davius, what do you got for us, man? What have you been doing? So, 
you know, kind of very similar to you, yet there there are some strong differences in that uh, I have been playing on my Stamp Crow. I can't not play on my Stamp Crow. I've talked about them a whole bunch. I'm not even going to dive into the build just because I feel like I've talked about them on past episodes so much. But I can really relate to yeah, kind of well, what you're saying. I, I hate it when people do that. When they talk about the same build <laughs> three episodes in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, but I really have to say I can I can 100% relate to your, what you're saying about with my Stam Crow and, and, and having a character that I just log into all the time that I did. I never really expected to be kind of the PvP character that I'm always logging in. My Stam Crow has been, I mean, he's been on the shelf for, yeah. for a long time. And yeah, I didn't been really. Neglected. Yeah, neglected. I didn't really plan Stam Crow to be a character, but that. That build is just, it's, I keep waiting for the floor to fall out. <laughs> Remind us what the sets are again. Uh, it's uh, it's five piece um, Swamp Raider, five piece Plague Break. And then uh, I do the Wild Hunt uh, and then Back Bar, Vatishran two-hander uh, mm-hmm. to ramp up the damage. And it just, um, yeah, it just, it's just working right now. The engine behind the build is, is the spammable that I use acid spray mm-hmm. um and that is really with the with the swamp raider buff and and the plague break and it throwing out the aoe it um and plague and break I, has a i think a one second cooldown so you, you can spam that acid spray into a group yeah. over and over again and basically within four seconds everyone has it on them yeah and 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 i mean and i feel like you could back me up on this man i'll, I'll throw you know the acid spray and some line attacks into a group and it just starts Kind of just starts eating away on them, and then it's kind of crazy how those health bars just start dropping right away. And I'm like, man, yeah. our team is doing a lot of damage. Oh, actually, our <laughs> other two teammates are way over there. It's just Davia's <laughs> doing that. <laughs> so I can very much relate to kind of, uh, uh, you know, that's rare for us to kind of just solo in on one character for this amount of time. And so uh, because of that, you know, I've been on the Stam Curl a whole bunch, and and so I've really tried to swap over and so really the character that i'm actually going to talk about is my magplar uh bard of sovngarde uh one of my three magplars uh but <laughs> or one of my one of my three templars two two magplars um but the the build on this character is i'm only going to mention part of it because uh there it, it's really i don't even really want to talk so much about the build but uh it's five five piece war maiden uh, a wild hunt, uh, back bar, maelstrom resto, and then I have a, a trainee. And really, I'm kind of just leaving out the additional five piece set because I haven't even really zoned in on the additional five piece set because I really think that that's not necessarily the important part of of what's been going on. And so, you know, I've been on my Stam Crow, very aggressive, very damage focused. You know, like we just said, he's throwing the damage out there. Um, and so I, I started playing this character and man, I was just hitting a brick wall. It just wasn't working and I was struggling and the numbers were bad. And I just was just trying to figure it out. I kept changing the sets around. I was like, well, maybe it's the build. It's not working out. And really, you know, I did a match with you uh, and you <laughs> in a nice way, but you kind of called me out. You're kind of like, man, you're playing really aggressive with, with the Magplar. And, you know, we kind of it kind of led to this great conversation and it it kind of made me realize that I was playing the Magplar like I was on my Stam Crow. I was going full aggressive, full damage, getting into the fights. Um, mm-hmm. And 
And it really kind of made me, you know, kind of check myself in the sense that the best way to play uh, a mag, you know, a, this type of Magplar, and really I would say most Magplars and even most Magicka classes, is to kind of go support first. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, we kind of talked through it and, and I really kind of started thinking through that. And so I started doing a bunch of BGs after after we played that night. And it really just completely transformed uh, the results I was getting with this character. Instead of diving into a fight or, or worrying about damage or worrying about getting kills, it was focus on the team, get the support up, uh, make sure the team is 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 looking good health-wise. And when you see an opportunity, seize it. Go in there and then lay on your jabs with the power of the light and you know and, and the, the abilities that you have that can deal heavy damage. Uh, and it just, I mean, just completely transformed the results of this character and it was i just thought it was a really cool situation because the sets really didn't matter it was just completely the play style and it was unique for me because you know most of my characters are very either 100 percent damage or even my support character you know davius or or never ending nord are almost 100 percent 100 percent support and so when i was playing this character that wasn't really dedicated to support i was kind of had this mindset of, okay, I got to go damage uh, and really just changing the mindset around to, to how I played it and kind of stay on my back bar, support bar, heal up. Um, the kill counts went up, dam- the, you know, the deaths went down, uh, the damage, the damage total went up, you know, just because I was seizing opportunities of staying alive more, helping out the team. Uh, it really kind of was just a complete 180 from the results. Isn't that amazing how focusing more on team support and defense actually increases your kill counts? Yeah, it it completely caught me off guard until, you know, it kind of started getting in a little bit of the hang of it. Yeah, and I think you're right about like most Magicka builds. I would say even like a Dragon Knight, I feel like I play that way. Like you have that support capability. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like my Magblade, for example, is totally set up to be an offensive character. He, he, his purpose really, in my mind, is to get kills. Yep. Um, but even so, I'm I'm probably at least 75% of the time I'm actually playing defensively and helping support my team. Um, and I think that that is absolutely the way to do it. Any any magic spec, you're a healer first, deal with it, and just take the kills as they come. <laughs> well, and you're exactly right that that when you when you kind of switch to that playstyle, you will see your damage numbers go up and your kill counts go up. It's yeah. it's it's because you're bringing your deaths down, you're supporting your team, your team's helping you lay in, you know, lay damage on on a team. It reciprocates. You support your team and they can support exactly. you in return. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it really, I mean, it really was just a, a complete uh, turnaround of the character. And, and then I started seeing the results and, uh, you know, and, and I'm actually pretty excited to, to dive in with this character, you know, with War Maiden, uh, you know, it, it does a the 600 buff to magic damage and so I, i've really tried to with a lot of my characters i really like to zero in on on the strategy and the focus and so obviously war maiden's great for a templar because a magplar specifically because almost all their damage is magic damage mm-hmm. and so they're getting that 600 buff and so i really wanted this other five piece set you know there's a couple sets out there you can just get extra spell damage or things like that but i was really wanting something to feed uh, off that that War Maiden buff. And so that War Maiden buff to apply to the additional set. And so we kind of started looking through sets. 
uh, I will mention that that yes, I know that Dark Convergence does magic damage, but uh, <laughs> no, over my dead body will I use that set. Uh, I already used Plague Brick, but I will not drop as low as Dark Convergence. Um, but uh, the set that we actually, uh, you actually were the one that found it, but uh, my old favorite, Cold Harbor's favorite. Cold Harbor's favorite. You, you already had a gold set in the himself. bank. I already had a, the gold set from when Davius used to wear it way back in the day. The the Guar Plar uh, <laughs> pulled pulled it out of the bank. Uh, the Guar really... the Guar Plar is back. The the Guar Plar <laughs> and a different, different Plar, <laughs> different you know different Plar, but the Guar Plar is back. And <laughs> yeah. so I'm actually really excited to throw this on there. I you know I don't I think it'll probably be more fun than effective. But you know I was kind of playing around with the numbers. And uh, with that, with that War Maiden doing a buff on that set and getting the magic damage up, I think I got it up to where Honor, when he explodes, it was like fifteen thousand damage mm. over six seconds. Yeah, and then the heal comes out to even stronger than that. So, um, it'll. I think it. I you know I think it has opportunity to where it can be. It could probably be pretty good because it's it's a strong heal, and then when it does hit for damage, I think it could be. Uh, pretty high damage, so I, I'm I'm excited to test that out going forward and see if that if that set sticks. I think that'd be really cool. Doctor Professor says, "Good old honor." Yeah, I've missed seeing honor. that that little guar. He's great. I don't really have. I mean, like I said, the Magblade is basically all I've been playing with. I've logged in with my yeah, Mag Crow a couple of times, Despair, and that's still a really great build. Um, uh, Healing Mage and Ken Marcher is just a really great. Uh, five piece two five piece setup to put on a macro healer um yeah i've already talked about it quite a bit so i don't think i need to dig into it again it's, but it's, it's kind of funny right now because we're both we're both in this this mode where it's like i'm on i'm logging in with my stamp crow you're logging in with your mag blade and then it's we kind of have to be like well you know we should we should probably swap to our other character <laughs> yeah. we kind of have to force ourselves we don't even really want to but we're like you know we probably should we should probably, probably should. swap to something have else, all these like, other characters you know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but i mean i think look uh, look forward to in future episodes probably the next probably the next episode or two i'm going to be talking about a bow sork i definitely am going to figure something out for a bow sork because that just seems like a lot of fun no, I, I want to well do that. And, and you know with with the uh when you know when this when this episode the day this episode comes out uh we're probably going to be learning some things and so uh, <laughs> at least at least about the new you know the new stuff coming out and so Maybe maybe that'll uh, spark up some of the other. It might might dig up some creativity out of the back of my brain. There we go. Emails and shout outs, Davies. I have a surprise. We have an email. Don't you say it. We Don't have an you email. Say it. It actually was sent it uh, almost a month ago, and I just didn't catch it until today, actually, and I noticed you it. You don't even check them there. anymore. That's what it's gotten to. You're not even checking. I check. <laughs> I just, I missed it. I missed this one. <laughs> Jay Cowell has a very good question. He asks, what's your favorite thing to put on a sandwich? Thanks, guys. Love the show. Thanks, Jay Cowell. <laughs> Ooh. Favorite. So he okay. says favorite thing. All right. Now, now this episode's getting real. All right. Now it's getting time real. to get real. He says favorite thing, singular thing. So what's the, what's your one single favorite thing to put on a, on a sandwich? Okay. Here we go. Here we, I've got some, I've, I've got some logic coming to me on this. All right, so, okay. so your sandwich is going to have some sort of meat on it. Let's sure. just, let's just agree to that. Sure. And this is going to be, 
This is risky of me to say because mm. I feel like some people are going to turn on me for this. Oh no! So let's just let's just prep. People have strong opinions about food. So here's the thing: your sandwich is going to have some sort of meat on it. the The part that I'm going to say that takes a sandwich to the next level, and oh boy, I can already I can already sense the haters. I'm going to say some nice crisp lettuce. I said it. Okay. I, think it, I wow. think it changes the sandwich. When you add that crisp and a little bit of crunch, you know, I'm just assuming your sandwich is going to have some meat on there. I don't want no bread and just lettuce, all right? I'm just assuming, safe bet, you're going to have some meat on this sandwich. But that crisp lettuce, I think, is going to take that sandwich to the next level. You know, I wasn't really thinking about lettuce, but I can see your point if it's actually like a nice, fresh, crisp, yes. like cold little Cold, leaf of lettuce so put that, that little crunch in there yeah i like it crisp so that's your favorite thing man okay what's my favorite thing you know you know what i really like in a sandwich and this is actually a recent development for me i've never liked pickles but whoa okay i i recently have started enjoying kind of like the lettuce i like it to be a like a nice fresh cold crispy pickle but just one single pickle slice in the in the middle of the sandwich. I don't want okay. I don't want it to be all pickly in there. Just like that one little pickle treat in the middle there. I like that. I got an important question for you. Sour okay. or sweet pickle? I guess I never really it's just whatever they got, you know. I go to a deli. Ooh, it's gotta be a sweet pickle for me. I don't want none of that sour. I need a I need a sweet pickle. Hmm. Grizzly Khan gets it. That bread and butter pickle. Ooh, that is that is where it is at. I guess I've never really thought to differentiate. It just you know, usually you go to a deli, you don't have a choice. You just give me a pickle, it's please. True. You know, but I'm, we're gonna go with that leaf of lettuce and one single pickle. <laughs> that's our that's our favorite. What a terrible thing to put sandwich. On the sandwich. <laughs> well, you know, it's assumed there's other stuff on the yeah. sandwich, but it's just which one of those things are our favorite. You know? Yeah. I think I think I feel like cheese it. is an easy go to, but honestly, I feel like I don't often like distinctly identify the cheese when I take a bite. You know, it's like it adds to the overall flavor, of course, but it's not like I take a bite and I'm like, oh yeah, that cheese. Yeah, you know, well, you just really need a, you just need a you you just need a basic piece of cheddar. You can get some fancy cheeses, and I'll agree they'll be nice, but that basic that basic cheddar it's it's going to do the job. It'll get you through. Grizzly Khan says cheese is his favorite. Dr. Professor says potato chips. Now that's an interesting one. I haven't done that in a long time, but when I was when I was a uh, a, a wee sparrowhawk, I always would put potato <laughs> chips lad. <laughs> on uh, on my sandwich. And that was that was a good time, certainly. Scrolling podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> what do you like to put on your sandwiches? Um, or anything else you'd like to email us, scrolling podcast at gmail.com if you uh, Want to ask us a question or make any suggestions for the show or just say hello or ask us food-related questions. Really, anything goes as long as you're nice. Um, shout out to Grizzly Khan. Grizzly Khan asked us a, a question in the Discord the other day that I thought would make a, a good thing to, to answer here on the show. Grizzly asked, why is it that Magsorks have so much finishing power compared to other classes? I know we've talked a lot uh, about how Maxworks are great executioners um, in BGs, and that's that's kind of the thing that they excel at. But um, we never really talked about exactly why that is. But really, the reason is just one ability, which is their executability, which is called Mage's Wrath or Endless Fury, whichever morph. Both both morphs are good. Yeah. Um, 
but it's a unique um, execute because it has a four second window. You can cast it on someone uh, like before they're in execute range. Uh, and then anytime within four seconds, if they fall into execute range, it instantly explodes uh, and deals yeah. that execute damage. Uh, Which is really the strategy you want to do behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about getting that on them before they're in execute range. Because everyone else that has an execute that's not a Sork, the whole problem is you have to hit your target with it while they're in execute range. And the thing is, against a decent player, they know they're in trouble in that situation. So they start going full panic mode, full defense. They're spamming roll dodge. The healer is healing them. You're actually going to have a pretty difficult time landing and execute before they heal up out of execute range, right? Whereas with a Sork, yeah. there's no reaction time. The moment they dip their pinky toe into that execute range, pop, they're dead. Yep. 100%. 100% hit. <laughs> yeah. So that's why, basically, that, that four-second window is what makes it yeah. possible. Well, and I would even say, too, on top of it, is is when you throw that on there and that sticks to them, you're also freed up to throw other burst damage into it, whereas others, yeah. you know, when they're in execute range, you're using the ability you're using is the execute. Sorks stick that on there, and then now they're hitting you with another ability. They yes. execute pops. They hit you with an ability, and so it's just it just builds up so much. The yeah, it's weird. They actually hit you with the execute early in the combo. Like this, the typical combo is uh, hit them with haunting curse, then hit them with execute right after that. Uh, then do a spammable, then toss a frags at them, uh, and then frags will hit, uh, should hit right about the same time that curse explodes, which will put them into execute range, which will make mage's wrath pop, and, and that's death right there. Or even if they miss all those attacks, as long as they get that mage's wrath on them and somebody else can put them into execute range and the sork will get that kill, even if they're not paying attention, you know, and <laughs> you, you see a lot of sorks do that. They'll just go around spamming mage's wrath on every, every single person that they see and then streak away, you know, and they'll yep. get a kill or two. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Grizz, for the question. Uh, also, another shout out to Grizzly Khan um, for uh, helping our buddy Dr. Professor out. Uh, as we've mentioned, Dr. Professor is uh, fairly new to the PCNA server, and Grizzly has really gone above and beyond uh, getting uh, Dr. Professor up to speed and getting his crafting and everything all leveled up and everything like that. So uh, thanks, Grizz, for being a, a good goon, man. And uh, speaking of Dr. Professor, shout out to Dr. Professor. Why not? Shout out to Dr. Professor. He was uh, first in the the Discord chat today when we started recording. Uh, he beat me. Of course, I both Grizz and and Doctor Professor beat me. So <laughs> and me too. I did too. Yeah. And yeah, well, <laughs> yes, of course. Thanks both of you guys, Doctor Professor and Grizzly Khan, for being here in the chat while we record. Always appreciated, fellas. Everybody gets their shout out Grizzly Khan t shirts today. Everybody yeah. gets one. We're gonna have a shout out to Grizzly Khan t shirt with the the Ric Flair woo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, picture on the front and everyone's going to know exactly what that means when they see you wearing it out on the street. Uh, any other shout outs? I, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm sure they're out there, but shout out to all the goons out there. Yeah, shout out goons. There you go. Speaking of, we do have a guild. It's called Stoons Goons. We are the best named guild on PCNA. It is also the official guild of the Scrollin' Podcast. If you'd like to be a member, hit us up at scrollinpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll send you an invite. 
Um, if your guild list is full, you already have five guilds and you don't want to drop any of them, that's okay. Uh, send us an email anyway and we can get you into our Discord, which is really where the action's at. If we're being honest, that's where most of our uh, discussions happen and when we're kind of organizing groups and, and doing that sort of thing. Most of that happens in the Discord. It's a pretty cool community. We have some cool people in there. Highly recommend it. Scrollandpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Dr. Professor says, shout out to Ket for spreading the good word of the Magblade. Thank you, Dr. Well, Professor. Well, now, hold on. Let's not, let's not tout these <laughs> Nightblades too much, all right? It's getting a little, getting a little Shout out to me. You know, it does feel pretty good to get a shout out. <laughs> it's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> I didn't realize how good this felt. Man, why don't you get a taste? <laughs> uh, I think that's it. Anything else, Davius? I think that's it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next time.